Quick programming note. After this show was recorded, the White House announced that they were moving Joe Biden's big January 6th anniversary speech to Friday because of weather, because climate change, right? Morons. Also, I think I spell out why they would in the part I talk about this, why they would do this, because nobody's going to be paying attention on Saturdays. Nobody's going to be giving a damn on Saturday. So they're going to try to make it on Friday. They're going to make it today. Instead, I still don't think people will give a damn because I think most people are beyond giving a damn what Joe Biden has to say about anything, including a lot of his supporters. I just don't think he's almost irrelevant. He could be a statue. He's an empty suit. So why the hell not? So when you hear me talk about Joe Biden's speech on January 6th, on Saturday, the argument's still the same. It's just been changed because I was ahead of the curve. Now let's start the show. All righty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Post Friday. It's here, Friday. The Derek Hunter Podcast for January 5th, the day before. The anniversary of the darkest day in the history of everything and anything. God, you're gonna watch the president Saturday puke. Go to go to uh, where the hell is he going? Valley Forge, I think. Ah, uh, let's go and try and pinch off of the legacy of somebody who wasn't a total piece of crap, and try and talk about how big of a threat Donald Trump and those Republicans are. Now you gotta love this. This anyway. Welcome to the show. It's uh, will be uh, quick and painless today. It'll be wonderful and informative and entertaining. Don't forget about the weekend F and review, where I'm sure I will talk about the anniversary of the darkest day in our history at Patreon.com/slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Or if you want to try a free sample of it, first one's free, kid. You can email me Derek Allen Hunter at gmail.com. And just put W-I-F-R in the subject line. And I will reply with the Weekend F and Review uh, as an attachment at, uh, whenever I'm done recording it. So there you go. Yeah, it is the darkest day in American history tomorrow. Not the day that you know Americans were murdered on Pearl Harbor Day or on 9-11. No, it is uh, the day that... What are they, they? They somehow inflated the number of police who died because of the insurrection. To I don't know. Are we up to a dozen yet? They keep finding somebody die in a car accident or of old age who was a police officer that day. They weren't even on duty, but and they go that, that will count that one. Another officer died as a direct result of those god awful terrible. It's so ridiculous as to be beyond comedy, but it's not funny in haha sense because it is. Being used as a cudgel, as a weapon to try and rip us away, rip away our liberties, to try and destroy the country as we know it. For all the Democrats sitting around whining and complaining about the threats to democracy, oh, the threats to democracy, out of play, they are the ones actively trying to kick people off the ballots. They are the ones actively throwing Americans in jails with no bond, no nothing, indefinitely. You go beat holy hell out of some poor Asian woman on the street in New York, you'll be out in time for lunch. 
if they even put you in, they'll come in, take your picture, take your fingerprints, and say, all right, man, I'll see you when we have a court date, okay? Because cash bail is wrong. And they celebrate that. They cheer that. They're the ones who want mass amnesty for not only illegal aliens who've broken our immigration laws, but they want it all for all drug offenders. They say nonviolent drug offenders. Nonviolent, that means a lot of things. To most people, you think it's just somebody selling weed, right? It's a dude caught with a, an eighth and he was going to sell it to his buddy. It turns out that there was an undercover cop involved. And the next thing you know, according to listening to Democrats, that guy is doing, and that, of course, is a black man. And because he's a black man, he is doing 20 years to life in prison for selling that eighth. In reality, the myth of the nonviolent drug offender, you really have to not give a damn about the opioid crisis to talk about a nonviolent drug offender, right? It, that's just the way it is. Because it, it, you're not dealing with people selling weed. You're dealing with people selling opioids. You're dealing with people selling narcotics, serious narcotics, oftentimes laced with other things up to and including fentanyl. Those are the people who are doing prison time. Those are also a lot of people caught with guns, illegal guns, but the prosecutors say, well, we'll drop the gun charge. You cop to uh, possession with intent to distribute. We'll give you uh, five years, three of which will be suspended. You'll serve three months and you'll be in. Oh, okay. There you go. And it's suddenly somebody who's got a bunch of guns, probably a, you know not necessarily the friendliest of history, and a whole bunch of serious drugs that they were trying to move is a guy just this side of your stoner buddy from high school. And they've been railroaded because of the color of their skin. These are the people that Democrats... By the way, a lot of these people, I wonder what percentage across the country of people involved even in bogus marijuana claims are in prison because of Kamala Harris, our vice president out in California. I, I would think a lot. But that's what Democrats do. That's how Democrats operate. That's how Democrats do things. They, they simply blow things up or deflate things based on their political need at the moment. So they want to get nonviolent drug offenders out there. But January 6th, people, forever. For, by the way, <clears throat> if, you know, the idea of a nonviolent drug offender is again a, a misnomer. You you want to see what's going to happen, what's happening already, but what's going to happen more in mass. As more states legalize recreational marijuana, it is not going to stop people from going to prison for marijuana, possession with intent to distribute. There will be, I don't know what the cost is. I, it's been a long time since I bought weed. But now you're competing with the state. Now your weed guy will be competing with the state. If you thought they were bad before when their state was saying, marijuana is bad, you shouldn't be doing it, and we're making it illegal. If you thought it was bad then, wait until they're competing with the state. Because now it's money for the state. They love it. They, just like your local bookie. Your local bookie is now going to have the book thrown at them if they're not 
paying homage, paying tribute to the state in taxes, along with all these other sports books. They're going to get hammered in the future. You watch it. But the nonviolent drug offenders, the weed guys, because I've been told, I have it reliably told to me by people I, uh, I know would know, the weed at the dispensaries, the weed at the legal place, it ain't cheap. You used to be able to, you know, back in the day, a dime bag was 10 bucks and a nickel bag was 5 bucks, and then that kind of both doubled, but they kept the name. I don't understand why. False advertising. For me, it seems like a class action suit against your weed guy right there. But it wasn't all that expensive. The most I ever bought, I think, was a quarter ounce. I might have gone in on a half ounce with some people or whatever, but it was usually a quarter ounce, and I usually went in with somebody, and we just split it in half. We usually we were all smoking together anyway, so we just kept it all in one thing. But whatever. Uh, now it's pretty expensive. Now it's supposedly super strong, too, so you use less of it, so you got that going for you, I guess. But it is a weird circumstance in which you are now... The state, with all the regulations and the taxes and everything, have made something more expensive than it used to be. It used to be, you know, it wasn't cheap. You had to, fa- the price always factored in the fact that everybody involved would go to jail. So there was a, a 10% surcharge for legal representation or something like that. But whatever, that was part of the deal. Now it's way more than that, apparently, but it's a stronger product. But if the government isn't getting their beak wet, then suddenly they're going to start throwing the book at the people who are selling the weed. I promise you this. I promise you this. So all this talk about nonviolent drug offenders, whatever, get him out of prison, get him out of prison. That is political crap. It is very limited to people previously incarcerated. That's who they're going after. They, oh, no, these poor, sweet, nourishing drug dealers. Well, they were actually breaking the law. The people they're going to throw the book at are people who have denied the state tax revenue. Which one is a more serious offense insofar as the societal fabric? Which would, I would say that the first one is. But that's just me because the first one generally involves a bunch of drugs and I mean you running with police and running away from police this is a much smaller because look face it most if you want weed most people are going to go to the dispensary that's it it's just easier okay there are farms and butcher shops and whatnot where you can go to and you can get all kinds of cuts of meat and everything. But then you can just go to the grocery store. Most people go to the grocery store. Some people do go to these specialty shops, but not too many of them. Not too many of them. Same thing with weed. But the state wants its beak wet. The state wants its cut. And if the state isn't going to get its cut, it's going to throw the book at people because that's what they do. The, uh, they do not tolerate competition with the state at all. Anyway, Weird tangent to go off on, but it is the tangent I went off on. Back to the darkest day in American history. Holy Frank Tanana. I assume all flags will be flying at half-mast. Everything will be... uh, when, When do the bells chime when you're supposed to stand still and remember? Whatever it is, I'm sure you'll hear it. And then you'll get our airheaded president. I don't know. I mean, what I think is kind of funny 
is they're so pathetically desperate to try and find and make January 6th into something that they are running, conducting polls on this crap. They're doing everything they possibly can to try and make this thing into a big deal. But it's simply not. It is Americans don't care. It's not one of those moments of where were you? It's not the Kennedy assassination. It's not a, oh my goodness, can you believe we are where we are? There was a, a poll. Morning Joe tweeted this out on Wednesday. It says, most Americans still blame Trump for violence on January 6th, colon, poll. I go, okay. Uh, the real question would be, how many Americans actually ever think about January 6th at all? How many Americans waste their time thinking about a two-and-a-half-hour fit, a two-and-a-half-hour problem? Is there anybody? Is there anybody? Who's polling it? Why are they polling it? Well, it's they're polling it because they, <laughs> they want this to be an issue. They need it to be an issue. You know, if they're not asked about it by left-wingers, do you ever think of this? There, that would be the question. And if you're going to start questioning about political violence, uh, you should also toss in a question about, hey, whom do you blame for the 2020 summer of riots that have still burned, that burned down sections of towns across the country that are still burned down, that are not rebuilt, that are never going to recover, that no longer have a CVS, that no longer have a target. Uh, grandmothers have to travel on buses, extended distances in order to get their prescriptions refilled. Who do you blame for that? To Donald Trump's fault? Or is it Democrats' fault? The Democrats who refuse to condemn it the Democrats, not even who refused to condemn it, held the vice president of the United States fundraise for bail money for the people who were doing it. It's kind of funny. She, she put a whole bunch of people in prison as attorney general of California for weed, and here she is fundraising as a vice presidential candidate. I think she was just a presidential candidate at that time for violent criminals attacking police officers to get bail money. Yeah. Do you think she meant it, the law and order stuff when she was attorney general? Or do you think she meant the screw the police, I'm going to embrace the radical left stuff when she was a candidate for president and vice president? Or do you think she never meant any of it? She's just an opportunist in whichever way the wind blows is the way it blows. You probably shouldn't use blows when we're talking about the vice president, but whatever, you get the idea. So watch, I don't know who's going to, who the genius was who said, you know what? This is how married they are on the left to this January 6th trying to be a thing. Saturday, nobody's going to be paying attention to the news. I don't even know what time this speech is. Um, the last big speech that Biden tried to give was the Hitler speech when he came off as Hitler standing in front of Independence Hall that was all lit in red with the Marines behind him. You're like, wow, that Stalin is looking at this visual and starting to fondle himself. Like, this is exactly what I wanted right here. This, And it, it didn't work out well, but all the networks carried it, if I remember correctly. It was a weekday. On a weekend, on a Saturday, especially on a Saturday that is the last Saturday of, of the NFL, with all the games that are happening this weekend, with the playoff implications... Who the hell is going to go, oh, let's turn off this game and watch Joe Biden? The networks aren't going to carry it. 
And I mean, cable news viewership is basically, if you look at the numbers of cable news viewership uh, for weekends, they are and always have been 90% of people who left their TV on when they either died of old age or fell asleep or ran to the store. It's just there's one TV in the house right now with one of these cable channels on because there's a, there's a bottom, there's a basement for these numbers where they never go below it. And you're like, this, these people are, they don't exist or they're not paying attention. They can't be. So who's going to watch this thing? It doesn't matter. They're counting on the Sunday shows. They're counting on it carrying through the weekend. They are counting on the water carriers at the uh, network's to pick it up and run with it on Monday. And it actually works out better for the Biden team because if you're going to write him a 20-minute speech, it's mostly going to be, it's going to suck. There's always a chance he's going to go off on a tangent. There's always a chance that somebody's going to have, you know, like a, a, a bottle of Prell in the audience and he's going to be distracted by it or Whatever, he's just going to remember. He's going to see somebody he wants to try and rape in the Senate hallway or whatever. You know, he's going to have, but he's going to be distracted. There'll be a shiny penny on the ground, whatever it is. He'll trip on the way up there. Watching it live, you'll get all of that unfiltered. But by the time of Rachel Maddow's monologue praising it on Monday, it'll be an hour long monologue about how important January 6th is. And it'll intersperse. Clips of Joe Biden's speech that will probably total a minute, maybe. And then Rachel will fill in the blanks because that's how it works. That's how propping up the corpse president works is out of a 20 minute speech. You can mine eh, 30 seconds to a minute and a half worth of stuff as long as it's not consecutive. And then we will call it a day and we'll say, hey, look at here's the speech. And then you have to, since he's so bad at it and his speech writers are so bad at it, the narrator has to give all the context to it. So watch for that. I don't know. Maybe I'll be wrong. But I suspect that Joe Biden, from everything I've seen, is about to start comparing Donald Trump to Hitler. They're probably going to wait until they help him secure the nomination before they go full-blown Hitler. But they will. They absolutely will because they have, what else are they going to do? Are they going to run on their record? Joe Biden is an idiot. His policies are terrible. They've damaged people. They've hurt people. What are you going to do with that? How do you sell that? Yeah, I realize that we've uh, raped your dog, but you should vote for me again. Why? Well, I don't know. Just do it. It's, we suck. We suck, but the other people suck more. It's a hell of a theme. It's a hell of an argument to make. And it's, you know, if they can pull it off, kudos to them, to be perfectly honest with you, because it is a hard case to make. We suck, but the other people suck more. It's, it's not very often that somebody... They're already trying the, you don't know how good you've got it. You're wrong. You've got it better than you know. You're too stupid to realize how good you've got it. Anyway, enough about that. I want to get to Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley is getting all sorts of press. Oh, Nikki Haley is so wonderful. Nikki, Nikki Haley, Jamie Dimon, the uh, head of one of the big banks, is out there saying that uh, Democrats need to come over to the Republican primary and support Nikki Haley. Why? Because... 
J.P. Morgan's diamond, colon, Democrats should boost Nikki Haley. Politico. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon urged Democrats to support Nikki Haley in the GOP presidential campaign, arguing that she offers a strong alternative to former President Donald Trump. Now, this is back on uh, November 29th, 2023. And right now, Nikki Haley's enjoying uh, a boost. She's been getting positive media coverage since then, which is amazing. Her answer on the, the Civil War was so just historically bad. Like, oh my God, how do you, you almost feel bad for her watching that and you sit there and you just kind of, you know how you, when you watch somebody embarrass themselves and you get that sense of like echo embarrassment off of them? That's what it was like watching her try to answer that question. You're just like, oh, oh. But the Koch brothers, well, not the Koch brothers since there's only one left, but Koch Industries, the Koch Network, uh, AFP, Americans for Prosperity, they pretty much do whatever the Kochs, Koch Industries tell them to do. They have gone full force. They've poured millions into propping up Nikki Haley. And she has gotten progressively worse. Progressively worse. She was out there making, I mean, she she's trying to pretend that she is opposed to teenage genital mutilation, but she blocked it when she was, uh, blocked a bill banning it when she was governor. But more importantly, on the issue of the moment, the real, the big issue of the moment, not that the gender dysphoria crap and the brainwashing of the American children is not a major issue, but right now we're being overtaken in our country by a steady stream of invading military-age young men on the southern border. Watch any video of what's going on at the southern border. Find a live feed online. Watch the people go marching by, and you will see it's 90 95% military-age men marching into the country. What do they want? They just want to work. Uh, I don't really think so. But anyway, the uh, candidate, Nikki Haley, is I don't, tone deaf or doing the bidding of Coke Industries or whatever. I don't know where this answer comes from. But she's talking about the illegal... And when anybody, when you talk about the migrant, they're not migrants. Migrants migrate. They move constantly. They go where the work is. They go where the weather is. Whatever. These are not migrants. These are not people who are going to leave. These are illegal aliens. They have entered the country illegally with no intention whatsoever of ever leaving, which is why they have to be rounded up and deported as quickly as humanly possible. We also need to strip birthright citizenship immediately so there can be no planting of the flag here to try and keep them here. Sorry, I'm past the point of having Fs to give. I just am. Whatever compassion I may have had for fellow human beings is long since gone. The numbers are astronomical, and the Democrats simply don't give a damn. More and more Americans are being victimized by criminal illegal aliens, and the Democrats don't give a damn. The media isn't reporting it. They're treating this whole thing the way they treated Claudia Gay. They're just ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it, because why? Kate Stein, remember Kate Stanley was murdered by an illegal alien? We were able to eventually shame the corporate media into talking about the story at least, covering it a little bit. But that took weeks. It took weeks to get to that point. 
They didn't want to cover Kermit Gosnell, the greatest serial killer and the most prolific serial killer in, in American history because it was a, quote, local crime story, local crime story. Some Republican has something on their Facebook page, some local Republican city council member in frickin' Boise, and suddenly it's national news and every Republican must answer for it. But an abortion doctor keeping jars of human babies, no big deal. Women dying from botched abortion, him just churning in a eh, nah, local crime story. What are you going to do? Anyway, back to Nikki Haley. I don't know why she said, well, I don't know if she believes this or not. Because at one point or another, she does seem to have been in, in fairly short order on every side of every issue that I've heard her speak about, depending on the audience she's speaking to. But listen to what she says, because this is wildly disturbing about illegal aliens. She has a whole lot of compassion for the sweet, 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 nourishing illegal alien. And want you to remember that. This is the language of amnesty people. This is not somebody who cares about our sovereignty. But let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life too. They have kids too. They have a heart too. They, so we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life and they're desperate to get here. I don't really give a crap why they're desperate to get here or why they want to be here. There are ways to come here and there are ways not to come here. They've chosen the way not to come here. They've chosen illegally. Therefore, they are illegal. Therefore, they are breaking the law. Therefore, they are criminals because somebody who breaks the law is, by definition, a criminal. And oh, by the way, amnesty... To legally seek amnesty, you have to seek it in the first safe country you come to. The internet, all international law that deals with people seeking amnesty strictly forbids people seeking it because they want a better life, because they want a better economic future. I don't know what in the hell got into Nikki Haley, but if the push is true that the Kochs are trying to push her to be Trump's vice presidential nominee. You got to pay attention to this thing. You got to watch this. And what do you mean? Well, Trump will never go for somebody. Trump will probably attack her on this, no doubt. That doesn't mean Trump won't pick her. That doesn't mean Trump won't consider picking her. If we're being honest, and I got to be honest because it's just easier to remember, Donald Trump was a lot of talk about the border and a little action on the border. Now, remain in Mexico was a good policy. He certainly did build some wall, but not a whole hell of a lot. He talked about building. the Mexico going to pay for a thing he's admitted was a lie. And I don't really care about it. I, I'm willing to pay for the, law, the wall. I want the wall. I want a double wall or a triple wall. I want it covered in razor wire. I wouldn't mind it being electrified. I want it because you see, well, we put this wall up. We'll just build a fence that high. Okay, well, let's make it so wildly painful that your little your uh, ladder is going to be problematic. You can make it unpleasant to cross the southern border. You just got to have the will for it. Donald Trump had the rhetoric for it. He didn't have the will for it. Now, maybe he had the will for it, and he gave the order and he just kind of expected it to be done, but it wasn't done. 
a good executive will give the order, and then if they really care about it, will make sure that the order is executed no matter what. And you can say deep state, stop it, deep state, deep state, all, all you want, deep state, deep state, deep state. President of the United States, if they're paying attention, if it's a priority, they can go in there and kick people in the balls and make sure that something gets done. They can bypass all these people. They can outmaneuver them. They can fire them. If you're defying a direct order of the president of the United States as a government employee whose job it is to implement direct lawful orders of the president of the United States, you can be fired for that. It's not easy to fire somebody in the federal government for incompetence because you know, it's almost a job requirement. But for insubordination, it's pretty easy. Or you can at least move them, get them out of the way. You can get things done if it's a priority and you're willing to pay attention and willing to do what is necessary or put the people in charge who will do it. There wasn't a border wall built in the Trump administration. He talked about ending birthright citizenship and then didn't do anything about it. He said that the reason he didn't do it was because the lawyers talked him out of it. I don't. If you believe in something, the lawyers aren't going to talk you out of it. The lawyers aren't there. You don't hire lawyers and have advisors who are lawyers, the president of the United States, to say, I want to do this. And they go, all right, well, my job is to try and talk you out of whatever it is you want to do. No, my job is to try and figure out if you have the authority to do it and justify it and make sure that it is done and done in a way, because it's not just what is done, it's how it's done will determine whether or not it's constitutional and a legal challenge, which all of these decisions will face. And it's the lawyer's job to make sure that it goes through the proper channels so it is constitutional and is in accordance with existing law. Not talk you out of it. If you believe in something, you're not going to be talked out of it. You're just not. Or you shouldn't be. If you are, you can be, you, uh, dare I say, probably did not believe in it in the first place. That would be my assessment of it. Anyway, I want to contrast, because I've given him a hard time a lot, and deservedly so. Vivek Ramaswamy has been uh, not the best candidate, and it's, it's largely a bit of personality with him. It is. It just is. I'm being honest. His, his delivery, his smarminess, his arrogance, it just comes off as douchey. Not interested in douchey. But he gave an answer to Washington Post. you got to give props where props are due. He gave an answer to a Washington Post reporter in exchange. The Washington Post reporter, of course, it was related to Claudine Gay. And like, hey, uh, well, you condemn white supremacy. Well, why don't you just, why not, why not condemn discrimination, bigotry, racism, no matter who's doing it? White supremacy is one slice of it. It's like, we need to deal with the nation's obesity problem standing outside a golden corral and going, we need to protest the mashed potatoes. Well, the mashed potatoes are certainly part of the problem. But, you know, the uh, the yams right next to it, not helping. The Thousand Island dressing bucket, not help. How about yeah, the whole damn thing? It's the whole buffet is kind of the problem. It's probably more like the third trip to the buffet that's the problem. But you get the point. You're going to condemn the mashed potatoes and let the chocolate cake slide. Let the cheesecake go. Let the They call it carrot. Oh, carrot cake. It must be healthy. It's not healthy. It's cake. The carrot isn't the operative part of that. It's the cake that's the operative part of that. So, you know, that's the way the left is. Can, will you condemn white supremacy? 
well, I'll condemn all. It's, it's the same argument and the same semantic. The left is so unor, unoriginal. This is the do black lives matter question. Do black lives matter? Well, all lives matter. No, do black lives matter? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I can't see you. You're standing behind a huge pile of dead bodies of black people from Chicago. Those lives, those, no, it's not the lives we're talking about. I'm talking about the junkie who fought with police for 45 minutes and died of an overdose. Did his life matter? No, not a whole lot uh, because of the way he conducted it. In the grand scheme of things, as a human being, as a Christian, yes, his life mattered. But it's got to matter to him. doesn't matter how much it matters to me. No, you're a racist. You're a racist. Do, all, do black lives matter. That's, it's the same thing. Will you condemn white supremacy? I condemn racism. But what about white supremacy? Well, is white supremacy racism? Yes, it is. Well, I condemn black supremacy. That's not, no, there's no, black people can't be, ra- this, is, this, is, this is liberalism metastasized throughout the brain and rotting it. But this, in this exchange, Vivek deserves absolute props for smacking around this worthless Washington Post reporter. Now, in a normal society to a normal human being, this would embarrass this reporter. The editors would pull this reporter off the, off the beat and go, God, you just, you know, you've embarrassed yourself. You can't be, uh, every time Vivek sees you, he's going to just embarrass, you, you've embarrassed the institution. Why don't you take a week off and we'll reassign you to like traffic ticket duty or something. Like whatever. But instead, They'll probably, this chick will probably be all over MSNBC going, Vivek Ramaswamy refuses to condemn white supremacy. I don't understand why he refuses to condemn white supremacy. Because, and I can't say the left, leftists are stupid. They're diabolical. They're evil. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Anyway, listen to this exchange. Do you condemn white supremacy and white nationalism? I mean, what this kind, who are you with? Which, Washington, it's Washington Post, all right, so potato, potato, okay. Of course, I condemn any form of vicious racial discrimination in this country. But I think that the presumption of your question is fundamentally based on a falsehood that that really is the main form of racial discrimination we see in this country today. Institutionalized racism is institutionalized racial discrimination that we see that doesn't come from somehow discriminating against people on the basis of some tenet of white supremacy. It's based on affirmative action. It's based on actually discriminating against people on the color of their skin in a way that's actually institutionalized today. Was there a point in our history, at points in our prior national history, where there have been vicious forms of anti-black or anti-brown discrimination throughout this country after the Civil War and otherwise? Yes. But you're looking in the rearview mirror and using that to pose a question today that is so far removed from what the reality is in America today. This myth of white supremacy, the closest you can find is Jussi Smollett, where you all were actually speaking of trust in the media, jumping up and down over some false narrative. The best way you're able to find your best instance of white supremacy was a guy who was actually paying his other fellow people to be actually staging something that didn't happen. And so stop picking on this farce of some figment that exists at some infinitesimally small fringe of the American public today to open our eyes to the actual real threats that we face. And I think that it's frankly questions and framings like that that has caused the American public to lose all trust in the mainstream media, I'm sorry to say, for good reason. 
I'm not I'm not going to recite some catechism for you. I'm against vicious racial discrimination in this country. So I'm not pledging allegiance to your new religion of modern wokeism, which actually fits fits the test. I'm not going to bend the knee to your religion. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to bend the knee to mine and I'm not going to bend the knee to yours. But do I condemn vicious racial discrimination? Yes, I do. Am I going to play your silly game of gotcha? No, I'm not. And frankly, this is why people have lost trust. And I know you're going to go print the headline tomorrow. I already know this. We already know how your game works. Vivek Ramaswamy refuses to condemn white supremacy because you asked a stupid question. The reality is I condemn vicious racial discrimination in this country, but the kind of vicious and systematic racial discrimination we see today is discrimination on the basis of race in a very different direction. I don't know what the best way is to end discrimination on the basis of race. Stop discriminating on the basis of race. Do that and we're going to move this country forward. And I don't care whether you're black or white or brown or anything in between. That's how we're going to unite this country. You people have been responsible for dividing this country to a breaking point, creating a projection of national division. I meet people from the south side of Chicago to meetings like this one of every shade of melanin, multiple from man to woman, doesn't make a difference, who are hungry for reviving unity in this country. And you, with your catechism that you try to get to politicians to whatever fake headline you're going to print on the basis of this conversation tomorrow, that's what's dividing this country for a break, to a breaking point. Shame on you. Look people in the eye and tell them what you've actually failed to tell them for the last five years. Own the accountability for your own failures as the media. That's how we rebuild trust in this country. And until then, I don't have a lot of patience to play the games. Absolutely brilliant answer. Absolutely brilliant answer and a contemptuous attitude that is 150,000% deserved. Absolutely, positively true. I loved every second of it. But... That's uh, and contrast that with Nikki Haley. Contrast that with Nikki Haley going. Remember, all of these illegal aliens—they love their children too. They love their children too. I don't care if they love their children too. I would argue that maybe we have a different definition of the word love if you're going to enlist your kids in a two thousand mile march up Mexico to come to the United States, I'd say, you know, if you're marching your kids across uh, massive amounts of land, uh, love might not be the word that would come to mind, especially when you know that uh, entry to the United States is almost guaranteed when you bring a child with you. So you got to go, maybe this kid is being used as a prop. Maybe this kid is being used as a get-out-of-jail-free card or what have you. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. You want to question that? Anyway, I just, um, I thought that Vivek, you got to give credit where credit is due. Still, I'm not the biggest Vivek fan, but that was a hell of an answer. And then you, you juxtapose that really quickly here with Politico, their headline. I love this. Was Claudine Gay's ouster from Harvard racially motivated? That is a headline from Politico. It has to do with competence. It has to do with fraud. It has to do with ethical standards of conducting yourself in a professional educational environment. But these leftists have managed to make it all about race because that's all they have. I'll say it again. Not one of these people who are out there defending Claudine Gay are denying that she committed acts of plagiarism. They're arguing that plagiarism 
well, they're not even arguing about plagiarism. They're arguing that it's racist to point out what the 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 fraud, the academic fraud of a black woman because she's a black woman. The very definition of racism is treating people differently based on the color of their skin, and that's exactly what the left is doing here. They're treating Claudine Gay differently and demanding that other people treat her differently because of the color of her skin. But listen to how these pieces of crap at Politico put this. The resignation of Harvard's Claudine Gay leaves little doubt there will be no truce in America's culture wars. The clash over the direction of higher education has led the opposing factions to retreat to their familiar battle positions. Her critics trumpeted victory once her resignation became public Tuesday after very meticulous and overt after a very meticulous and overt campaign to smear gay Harvard's first black woman president. They weren't smearing gay. They were saying, look at what gay did. Look at what she did. It's not, oh my God, we can't have a black woman head in Harvard. No, look at what she did. Look at what she did. Is saying OJ cut the heads off of two people a racially motivated statement? Or is it saying, hey, look at what the guy did? Is saying, hey, Ted Bundy, the bad dude who murdered a lot of people. Is it because, well, you're just saying that because he's white? No, I'm saying it because he's a, I don't care what he did. He killed a lot of people. Jeffrey Dahmer had suspicious dietary habits. You're only saying that because he's white. No, I'm saying that because he ate human beings. There's a difference. But to the left, there is no legitimate criticism of Claudine Gay. Not that there's no, it's, I, that's not even the way to put it. You, there is no criticism. You cannot, it's not there is none. You cannot criticize Claudine Gay. You cannot criticize a black woman. Well, let me rephrase that. You cannot criticize a liberal black woman. That's what you can't do. It is so disgusting. There is no argument. Nobody's out there trying to say she didn't. She did not commit plagiarism. To the extent that plagiarism is discussed at all, it is discussed like this. This is Kurt Schmoke. He's the president of the University of Baltimore. He's also a former mayor of Baltimore, and he's quoted in the same articles. Quote, I think that in some ways she is both a victim of the times and a victim of a minor misstep on her part. A minor misstep on her part. So you can conflate and confuse her horrible testimony where she goes, no, nah, you can go ahead and call for the genocide of Jews. That's not bullying. But call somebody fat or refer to somebody with the wrong pronoun and you might be expelled from Harvard. But the genocide of Jews, I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, that's the way it should be. They're conflating that testimony with the fact that she has been credibly accused and nobody is refuting the almost 50 instances of plagiarism that she is engaged in. Now, keep in mind, she's written something like only something like 19 papers throughout her academic career. No books, 19 papers. 19 papers is a joke in academic circles. It's a joke. But 19 papers of high 40s instances of plagiarism. The real question is, did she ever write anything that was wholly original or that was written properly and engaged in proper citation? 
The answer is no. You don't promote, you don't elevate somebody like that to the president of anything. You don't promote, yet she's, her whole career has failed up. She hasn't succeeded up. To succeed up, she'd actually have to do something. She'd actually have to, I don't know, work. She'd have to produce. She doesn't. Her resume is her existence. Period. End of story. I really hate all of these people. Anyway, those of you you've been emailing me, I know I forgot to announce it at the beginning of the show. On Monday, I'm, I'll be doing shows every day, every weekday. On the, the podcast won't change. You can still listen to the podcast. It'll be separate and unique and completely different. But if uh, from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time on uh, WFMD in Maryland, it's WFMD.com, I will be doing nine, the 9 to noon shift, 9 a.m. to noon. So there's the big news. There you go. If you Really, I'm not going to be taking phone calls for a week or whatever because people are just going to call up and whine and complain about what happened to Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is going to like midnight or something like that. It doesn't matter. I, I'm just not interested in hearing it. But after that, you can always email me. That's really the easiest way to get in touch or tweet at me. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back live on the air starting Monday is the plan. We'll see. You know, want to make God laugh, make a plan. But we will definitely be at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast on tomorrow or well, tonight at 12.01 a.m. with the week in F and review. And what a week to review. Man, what a week to start off a year with, huh? Have yourself an awesome Friday. Hope to uh, be speaking to you at midnight. If not, we'll be back on Monday. Have, oh yeah, and Snurdly on Saturday is back. So he's back from vacation. I'll be back on with Snurdly on WABC at 7 a.m. on Saturday, which means I won't get to sleep in. Have an awesome, awesome day. I'll see you one place or another soon. Thanks for listening.